0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRike Sports and Sided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, And you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Wednesday, and there is still no Packer news when it comes to the cornerback position. The Packers have struck out. And I speculated yesterday as as I discussed on Monday on this show, but I I wrote for Acme Packing Company on Tuesday about if striking out would change anything. Would it mean the Packers had to alter their athletic profile? The premise basically beggars can't be choosers. And I dug a little deeper in the story, so I I wanted to Go into it a little bit more because the the data has what I think is a telling answer in all of this. So according to NFL Draft Scout, which is the, the preeminent source for what is, I think, the the accurate representation or the most accurate representation of where players are expected to be drafted. There's always gonna be exceptions. There's no foolproof ranking system because it only takes one team to do something crazy. I, I recommend you go read the piece because I obviously I can't read it and I can't go into it verbatim. But there are 12 players, 12 corners in the top 100 players for NFL drafts count. Okay. And that that's a lot. 12 is a good number, and there are a a number of other guys who I think could get into that mix. I think they'll be closer to 15 or 16 corners taken in the first 100 picks. Um, The Packers have the 101st pick, the very first pick of the fourth round, so that has significant value in all of this, but um, as I point out in the piece, going to 101 does not add any corners, so I did the top 100 but the thing about those 12 players is of with the information we know right now i kept saying there's only one one player in the top 50 there's only two guys in the top 100 who fully fit the green bay athletic profile for a cornerback and it's josh jackson and Tony Brown from Alabama. Tony Brown is the 82nd player on the Draft Scout ranking. So he's a, he's a day two player, a round three player, which would put him in range for the Packers in round three. The problem is that is not the kind of elite talent you want at the cornerback position when your only other starter that you have any kind of faith in is Kevin King. They need a top 50 talent, maybe two. And I think in the top four rounds... There's a chance they take multiple corners. Maybe they go 2 and 4, maybe they go 1 and 4, 1 and 3. This is something that Ted Thompson has done in the past. It's something that I think Brian Gutekins could do especially given the circumstances. And and this is a deep corner draft, but it gets a lot less deep when you only look at the kinds of players the Packers traditionally draft. Isaiah Oliver at Colorado and Anthony Averett from Alabama fall just outside of the threshold for change of direction. That leaves four other guys who haven't completed their athletic profiles. Minka Fitzpatrick, who I have as a corner on here, but but isn't considered a corner by a lot of people. Denzel Ward, Duke Dawson, and Kevin Tolliver II. Their athletic profiles have yet to be completed and Minka is not going to work out the alabama had their pro day we're not going to get a full workup on him but that leaves a maximum a maximum of 6 players who the packers could be interested in suddenly that 12 number gets cut in half and the odds and and the odds are that one of the, one or two more of those guys is just not going to fit and the argument that i make in the piece is that the packers in an, in an attempt to make the secondary better may need to massage some of these thresholds that they have. Someone like Mike Hughes or Jair Alexander, they just barely miss those thresholds. We're talking about less than a half an inch in height. Is that enough to risk having a cornerback group bereft of talent? Now, they haven't run out of options. There are still cornerbacks in the free agent market that are worth getting. Tremon Williams could be cheap. Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie is still out there. Ross Cockrell is still out there. EJ Gaines is still out there. All of those are players who could help this team, who could start, who could make this team better. But what we're going to do in the second half of the show is focus very specifically on three players. Because I think they are the three guys that Green Bay is going to be targeting. And if they have to trade up to get one of them, I have become more and more convinced they will do that. Now, I think they're still taking big swings in free agency. They still wanted to be in on Tremaine Johnson. The cost got out of control. They wanted to be in on Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman wanted to stay on the West Coast. He wanted to play in San Francisco. They were in on a a lot of these players... And couldn't make it work. They understand, including Kyle Fuller, which they probably knew was going to be a match situation, but they're taking swings. Losing Morgan Burnett makes this a little bit easier to to add players to this because in the modern NFL, players have to be able to play multiple positions. They have to be able to be formationally versatile. If If you're a safety who can only play deep, That means you are a limited safety. If you're a safety who can only play in the box, you are limited. If you're a corner who can only play the boundary or only play the slot, you are limited. The Packers right now, given the composition of their team, need their defensive backs to all be able to play multiple positions because they just don't have the depth of talent to say, okay, you're only going to play outside or you're only going to play in the slot or you're only going to play deep or you're only going to play in the box. They just don't have the bodies to do that. They don't have the, the guys to do that, the manpower, the talent. I think this defense is going to be better next year than it was the year before because I think Patton is that much of an upgrade over Dom Capers that even taking away your best corner, adding Muhammad Wilkerson, they will add players in the draft. I still think there's a free agent signing coming. And I think Patton is going to do a much better job of getting guys in the positions they need to be. But you need to have talent. This is still a talent-driven league. You are listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything new across the NFL with Locked On NFL and this time of year with Locked On NFL Draft. So there are three players that I want to highlight, and I want to start with Denzel Ward because he is, for my money, the best defensive player in the draft. And part of that is because there is no ultra elite pass rusher to me. I am not a Bradley Chubb fan. I think he is a good, not great prospect. And I think, frankly, Denzel Ward is a good, not great cornerback prospect, but he's a better corner prospect than Chubb is an edge rusher prospect. Now he's a little bit undersized, 5'10 and a half. Hits that that threshold right on the nose. And came in undersized at the combine. Listed at 191 at Ohio State. Was in the low 180s. And had just two interceptions and 15 passes defended in 2017 at Ohio State. But he goes to the combine. Runs 4'3", 39 inch vertical, 136 inch broad. That's in the 98th percentile. His spark score, which is adjusting for the full breadth of his athleticism relative to his size, put him, puts him in the 98th percentile of NFL corners athletically. My comp for him coming out of Ohio State is a more athletic Casey Hayward. This is Green Bay's opportunity to right the wrong of letting Hayward walk. I will reiterate that that was the right call when the Packers made it. Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward were not pro bowlers in Dom Caper's defense. They became pro bowlers because they were put in different positions, playing different schemes, asked to do different things. Ward is not the biggest corner, but he is sticky. Sticky. He is so athletic, he can stick with a receiver wherever he goes on the field. There, there are some issues finding the ball because he doesn't turn his head always, but he gets in such good position and doesn't panic. A lot of corners are taught when, they're, when the ball is behind them and they're facing the receiver. Not to turn their head and find the ball because they'll lose speed, but you play the ball through the receiver, and a lot of corners don't trust their technique. And so they end up interfering. They end up pushing, grabbing, holding... Ward doesn't do that. This is what I wrote in my final assessment of Ward. In another year, one might worry about Ward's single season of full-time starting or why he perhaps didn't play sooner. This is not one of those times. Ward played behind two first-round picks in a secondary that had three of them in 2017. Assuming the number one corner role this season, Ward shined in press coverage, but also shows an aptitude for zone and off coverage as well. He has the size to run with anyone, and he never gets beat over the top. He uses the sideline to wall off receivers, and despite not being one of those huge corners, uses his hands and strength to keep guys from creating separation from him, which basically no one did all season. If you want the best pure coverage player in the draft, it's probably Ward, and there's a legitimate question about his value relative to someone like Fitzpatrick, who doesn't have experience as a boundary corner. If Ward tests well and measures well, he's an easy pick as a top 10 player in this class. After he tested out, top 5 grade. The best defender in the class. And this is the discussion that I think we need to have a little bit. After Morgan Burnett walks, Mike Patton is a coach who likes to play multiple safeties. What is the value of of Denzel Ward of a of a sticky outside corner who can play in the slot relative to an impact versatile safety. What is the value? Now to me, I have an answer. And the answer is give me the corner. Give me the coverage player every time. They're they're worth more because they're harder to scheme around and because you can put them on a receiver and say, you've got that guy. That is much harder to do with safety. Safeties rely much more on instinct, much more on playmaking, much more on being in the right place at the right time in the scheme. Whereas with a corner, especially a team that wants to play a lot of man coverage, he can affect the game in more ways as a corner, even if he's not getting interceptions. He doesn't have to be Casey Hayward getting six, eight interceptions a year. He doesn't have the instincts and and ball skill playmaking ability that Hayward has, but he's a better athlete. He's a more willing tackler. He's a more physical player. I want the top corner. And if the Packers need to go up and get him, then they need to go up and get him. Now, there are two other defensive backs in this top 15 mix. And it's interesting because Minka Fitzpatrick was a Obvious top five pick, it seemed early on in the process. And then he didn't test quite as athletically as some thought he would. And he didn't measure out from a body type standpoint like maybe some thought he would. And so it seemed clear, though I think if you watched him and studied him at Alabama, it was clear already he was not an outside corner. If he was going to play cornerback, he was going to have to play in the slot. In the nickel. And he could do it. He was a dynamic, ball-hawking, safety, linebacker, cornerback, chess piece. He was he was very good in zone coverage where he could click and close and recover to the ball, make plays on the ball, read the quarterback. His best traits are his ability to play in space, read the quarterback, and break on the ball. That's a safety. He could be an outside zone corner. But he he hasn't done that since high school. So it would be a gamble to think he could, not to mention he doesn't have quite the traits you look for at that position. So he's probably a safety. So what is his value relative to Wards? What is a versatile safety? What is Rashad Jones worth? Because he's not Harrison Smith, probably. He's not Earl Thomas. He's not Ed Reed. If you're not going to be a ball hawk eraser on the back end, someone that can play center field, fly around and make tackles but also have an impact in the passing game as a ball hawking safety, what is your value? And I don't I don't have a good answer for that. I think every team is going to value that a little bit differently. Teams that will be creative that will play him in the slot, that will play him a little at linebacker, that will play him deep, may even play him some on the boundary. That team may covet him more, a team like the Packers. And if Fitzpatrick is going to fall a little bit, and it does seem like he's now in that 7-10 to 10 range rather than the 4-6 to six range, then I think Green Bay could say, look, we like this guy. We need to go and get him. Let me read my final assessment of Minka Fitzpatrick, who I ultimately compared to Antroll Roll, someone who played corner early in his career but became a safety later. And, and by the way, was a very good player. That's, it may seem like a shot to some, but antroll Roll was a really good player, a dynamic Pro Bowl player at various points in his career. It doesn't matter what position you want Fitzpatrick to play. He's an ultra-talented player with athletic tools, intelligence, and pedigree. His ability to cover different types of receivers from the slot, wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, makes him eminently valuable. He would be best in a defense that would allow him to play a little bit of everywhere, or at least one where he could cover the best guy, even if that's a tight end. For example, he might be the guy you want on Antonio Brown, but also the guy you want on Rob Gronkowski. He's not in the Jalen Ramsey class of athlete Or prospect, but he has the kind of size, athleticism, and versatility to cover anyone on the field. His tackling keeps him from being a reliable safety option. It's not very good, not consistent, which is why some teams will view him as a corner. Fitzpatrick's coverage ability and versatility can help any defense right away, and he's just 21. He has plenty of room to grow as his instincts improve. He will have to get stronger and become a better tackler to be a complete player, but those things can be learned. You can't learn his speed, burst, and size. Now, what we learned with his athletic, t- athletic testing was his burst is not actually as good as it looks at times on film, and so that makes you wonder... Now, there are plenty of guys who play faster than they time and and who play better than they test, but it's something to consider. And I think when you look at the other guy at the top of this list, Derwin James, who I think is the second best defender in this class, I think he is closer to Ward than Fitzpatrick is, I think the reason for that is he's bigger, he's more athletic, and I think in the NFL, He's got a knack for playmaking. They both they both do. But if you want to talk about athletic talent, I mean, Derwin James run, runs 4 40-inch vertical, 132-inch broad. He won't turn 22 until August. Reminds me of Eric Berry from Tennessee. You want him to cover tight ends? He can cover tight ends. You want him to play in the box? He can play in the box. You want him to play linebacker? He can do that. You want him to play deep? He can do that. I think there's a case to be made. He could go the Leroy Butler route. He could play outside corner at first, play in the slot, cover receivers, and and eventually become a guy who plays all over the field, similar to what Charles Woodson did for the Packers. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? Well, he's everything. Derwin James is, is a blitzing maven. He's a disruptive player. I think he has more upside to be more impactful in more areas than Fitzpatrick, which is which is why I have him over Fitzpatrick at this point. I was I was going back and forth. I was a little wishy-washy on it for a while. But it's clear to me after the way Derwin James tested that the athletic talent, the playmaking talent, it is all. There. Here's what I said about Derwin. Derwin is an ultra talented safety with every tool you look for from coverage in the slot, attacking the box, blitzing and playing deep. He attacks the ball in the air, fills aggressively if incorrectly at times and has playmaking instincts. You can put him anywhere in your defense and he can make plays for you. And he may be better than any safety in the 17 or 18 draft class because of his versatility. Top 15 grade. Before we finish up here, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. Gets you behind the play the paywall with access to player grades, Pro Football Focus fantasy info, information, DFS, NFL draft articles, NFL draft coverage of all shapes and sizes, data on data. It could all be yours and all you have to do is enter our contest, put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. So we went through these three guys and I made the case that these are the three players the Packers should be targeting. I think Josh Jackson has fallen down a little bit. I think his troubling combine performance has raised some questions about his ability to play right away in the league. And I think these three guys are are the players Green Bay has to be targeting. They've been taking big swings in free agency so far, no hits. The next big swing has to be in the draft. And these are three impact players. Look at what Marshawn Lattimore did for the Saints in year one. Cornerback is a tough position to play, but the right kind of player can come in and really make your defense better, especially in the right situation. So I was just looking at at scenarios. It seems pretty clear we're going to get Rosen, Darnold, Allen, Barkley, and Mayfield in the top 10. That's five guys. Nelson, almost certainly as well. That's six. Bradley Chubb makes seven. Now, depending on who trades with who, there could be some different needs coming around here. But so in the next 6 picks 8 9 10 11 12 13 three of those guys are they all going to get taken ward james and fitzpatrick the other three the other three guys there could be another quarterback someone could could come up for lamar jackson roquan smith remember that peter king list i did fitzpatrick and ward were both on it derwin james wasn't roquan smith is the other guy in the mix could free agency have changed some of these things? Could Tremaine Edmonds have moved up? There's a lot of different machinations here, but, but all of this is to say, at pick 10, two of those three guys could be gone. Especially because the Raiders pick 10 and, and they need secondary help. Could they get to the ninth pick? Could they Could they get with San Francisco... A team that was often paired with some of these top defensive backs, but who just signed Richard Sherman. What would it take to get to nine from fourteen? Well, to get to a to get to eleven, they might be able to get to ten depending on the situation. The Packers could give up both fourth round picks and fourteen and get to eleven. From a from a draft chart standpoint. That works. Do they want to give up both? Maybe, maybe not. To get to nine, they'd have to give up more. They'd probably have to give up their third round pick to get up there and maybe something else. They could probably give up their three and their fourth, their compensatory pick in the fourth to move up to nine. And that, to me, that's an easy move If for no other reason than the Demarius Randall trade set this up, they give up the compensatory pick in the fourth. They still have the top pick of the fourth round, plus multiple fifths. If they want to move back into the third, recoup that pick that they give up to move up to get one of these three guys, they can do that because they've already flipped that fourth round pick, their fourth round pick, into the first pick of the fourth round. It wouldn't be that hard to get back into the third round if they wanted to. And I'll take this a step further, though I'm not sure I see it happening. But here's the thing. I think there's a scenario where all three guys are available mm, seven, eight, and the Packers could fall in love with one of them. If they were willing to give up their second round pick, they could get up to seven. Seven could be high enough to assure they get the best defensive player in the draft. Again, I don't think Bradley Chubb is that guy. I'm talking about best best defensive player in the draft. I think it's one of three defensive backs, which makes this all the better for the Packers given their situation. Fourteen plus a second could get them to seven. And and actually, according to the the Chase Stewart draft value chart, that would be a slight overpay from Green Bay to get up to seven. If there are four quarterbacks who are gonna go, and we think Nelson, Chubb, and Barkley are the other three guys, that's seven. So the Packers wouldn't have to get to seven. Eight would be enough. And maybe they give up three and that four that fourth pick, that that top fourth pick to get up to seven. That works out. They give up the seventy-six pick, 101, and 14 to get up to seven to take the best defensive back in the draft. Again, who I think is, depending on who it is, the best defensive player in the draft. That's what I think they're building toward here, whether intentionally or unintentionally. They could have been trying to do both. They could have been trying to sign a big-time corner and move up to get one of these safeties. But I think regardless, this is a very a very much in play scenario and it is one that I would advocate for. Okay, we're gonna be back on Friday and barring free agent news, I'm, I'm a little sick of talking about the cornerbacks, frankly. So barring news, we're gonna do a positional review. I think this is a good time for that because we're still, you know, the free agency period has has gone into a lull. We're not quite into draft season with the rumors and all that. So I think we've done enough of that for the moment. But we've got a lot more to do. I'm going to bring you an interview, uh, hopefully more than one next week. So a lot more to come. Remember, you can always submit questions on my Twitter feed at Peter underscore Bukowski or the podcast Twitter feed at Lockdown Packers. Every episode is at LockedOnPackers.com for you to find. Remember to keep it locked at AcmePackingCompany.com, at Fansided, at FanRag NFL, and always stay locked on Packers.